The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. I am your host. This is episode 31. My guest this week, Mike Anderson, is a reporter for KSL Channel 5 News. Uh, They are the huge NBC affiliate out here in Utah. And Mike Anderson is just one of those guys. When you meet him, just a nice, great guy, super humble and funny and I really enjoy getting to spend some time with him. He's going to tell us all about his life as a reporter. Now, a word of warning, because I know that some of you have told me you listen in the car with your kids. Uh, Being a reporter, not always easy, and some of the things Mike is going to talk about are a little bit heavy and maybe not for little kids' ears. So, as always, nothing inappropriate or anything like that. But uh, we would give you a warning in advance that we do talk about a couple of pretty heavy situations that Mike was involved in. But it's a wonderful discussion. Mike is just a a super great guy. Uh, And this week in my Latter-day Life, I'm going to tell you a little bit about a lesson I learned from looking at some footprints in the snow. So that's what we've got for this week. It's a wonderful show. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. My guest today is a well-known and well-respected reporter for KSL Channel 5, the NBC affiliate here in Utah, Mike Anderson. Mike, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Mike, you've, uh, you've already got the, the voice for the podcast. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a television voice and a regular voice? Like when you're reporting, do you go into a different tone? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it varies quite a bit. I think uh, you could probably tell the difference between when we were just talking and now we're on the podcast. I feel like, I'm on. Let's go. Yeah. Let's do this. So is that a thing? Do you think, I mean, you know a lot of reporters. Do yeah. most reporters have sort of their regular voice and then their on-air voice? You know, it's it's a weird thing because I know some reporters that talk in the reporter voice all the time. Yeah. But, you know, having known some of these people when they were younger and going up through their career, I feel like it, you either develop to where you go on and off or you do it all the time. And people just kind of yeah. do one or the other. It's yeah, I hear some, some reporters... <laughs> That I've met in the past, I go. You, you sound nothing like, but you sound pretty close. I mean, you don't do change. I? Okay, you don't change that. I feel much. like I do, but maybe I don't. Yeah. I don't know. So my question, my my question about reporting in general, what is the deal with the cadence at the end of a story? There's a cadence yes. of, uh, mean. Meanwhile, we'll find out what the cow knew. Reporting live from KSL. Mike Anderson. <laughs> you don't do that, by the way. Oh, okay. I've actually watched some of your episodes. You that's not you. But there are a lot of reporters where it's reporting live from Ogden, Utah, Sean Rapier, yeah. KSL News. Yeah. Like there's that ba 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 Sure. And I'm sure at one time I used to do that. I'm glad that you say I don't because I had to think about that for a minute. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> you end very naturally. But it, it's I mean, it's one of those things that's kind of the cliche, right? You you get into broadcasting and you hear well, it seems like everyone else does this, so this must be the way it's done. Yeah. And it just it just kind of feels like that's how you're supposed to do it. But uh, maybe it's a younger thing or a new new to the industry thing. Yeah, could be. Yeah, it's funny. Every time I hear it, I just kind of chuckle. But ultimately, you want to strive to being. Towards being more genuine, more sounding natural. like a real person, yeah, 
And that actually takes a lot of work to do. It's easier, it's easier to imitate someone else. It's harder to be natural when you're on air. And be yourself. Yeah. So, so let's take it back a little bit. You are a Southern California native. Where did yes. you grow up? Grew up in Chino, California. It's in the yeah. Inland Valley. Yeah. An area I know pretty well. I, I live not that far from there for a couple of years. It's known for cows in a state penitentiary. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's not what people think of. When you say Southern California... Yeah. Everybody thinks about Malibu and LA. Yeah. And then you get into Chino, San Bernardino, Riverside. Yeah. Pastures, cows, right. fields, farms, cool area. I love it out there. Yeah. Although not as many pastures nowadays, I understand. Yeah, that's Big true. The, the value of the land. They're all now uh, housing developments. Chino's grown quite fast. Yeah. So you grew up there. What what piqued your interest in becoming a reporter, going into broadcasting? Oh boy! Um, so growing up, I uh, my dad was a newspaper editor, mm. and so naturally as a kid, I decided th- there's no way I want to do news. <laughs> <laughs> like like that so guy was the reverse. Yeah, I'm not going into the family business. I mean, that guy was crazy. He um, he would get up in the morning. He was obsessed with news, and I, I haven't reached that level yet. Yeah, maybe I never will. I hope I never will to be honest. But he would get up in the morning, he would turn on the news radio, he'd check out what was on TV with the news, and mm. then he'd have three different newspapers spread out on the kitchen table, and he'd yeah. be looking at all of them, including his own, to make sure everything looked okay. And I was like, this guy's crazy. I never want to do what he does. Yeah. And yet, um, somehow. Yeah, somehow. So you grow up saying, I'm never going to do this. You graduate high school. Where did that take you? Uh, well, I went to Rex College. Rick's, what it was called now, at the time. Now BYU-Idaho. I yeah. still call it Rick's because my brother went there Okay, when it was Rick's. Yeah. And well, and through high school, I always enjoyed writing. I loved writing short stories. Mm. That was kind of a passion of mine. But I, I thought it would be cool to be a radio DJ. So I kind of did that at the school. Sure. Just for fun. And then ultimately decided, well, I'm going to major in this. I'm going to be, I'm going to do something with radio. And one of my mission. Where'd you serve your mission? London. Beautiful. I love London. It's been great. there many, many times. Yeah. One of my favorite places in the world. Hard to proselyte, yeah? Um, it depends on where you are. In, in, in the big city, there's a lot of people from other countries um, yeah. who are very receptive, um, especially a lot of the African countries. People let you in, if not to hear the gospel, then to, to eat. Maybe. <laughs> London um, has some of the best Indian food in the world, too. Oh, yeah. Incredible. So I actually, my grandparents are from England. My whole family's from England, Every everything. In uh-huh. fact, uh, I'm only, I'm first generation born America on my mom's side. Oh, wow. And my grandparents lived in Preston, where the first baptisms in England were. Okay, yeah. I've been to that site. Pretty cool stuff. Did you love your mission? Uh, yeah, it was great. I, I loved uh, going there. It's, it's funny, um, England was one of the top three places I wanted to go. So yeah, I, me too. So when I got my call, I was like, wow, okay, this is great. It was my number one. I went to Chile. Okay. Still yeah. haven't gotten over that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then you get there and like other missionaries are like, this is like the worst place I could have gone. Really? Why, is, why did I get this call? But I thought it was great. I thought it was wonderful. Oh, by the way, side note, I love Chile, but I do love London. It's a cool, cool place. So you get yeah. home from London. Where did that take you? So yeah, I came back, went to Rex again for a year. Uh, eventually went to uh, SUU. So, I mean, through the process, I, I tried radio. And th- when you major in broadcasting, they make you try TV. And I realized that, 
well, you can tell short stories in radio, but with TV, you get a little bit more to tell the story. You get visuals sure. and, and you get a little bit more time, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, I thought maybe I'd try this. Did SUU have a broadcasting program? Yeah. So th- that's a funny story. So I was going to go to the U after mm. SUU. So for our listeners out of state, SUU is Southern Utah University, Sorry, yeah. which is actually where my son is going right now. Oh, I excellent. have a son at SUU. And then the U is University of Utah. Yeah. So you were going to go to the University of Utah. You ended up at SUU. Yeah, I had it all figured out. My my advisor said, if you're going to do broadcasting, don't go to the U. Okay. Nothing against the U. It's a great school, but huh. there's a lot of theory, not a lot of hands-on stuff. Mm. And he said, SUU, they have a you know they have a cable station. You can do everything. You can try it out. So go there. And uh, I did. Yeah. And and it was good. My wife says that was inspiration because I met her there. Ah, tell us how you met your wife. <laughs> um. So we were both broadcasting majors, and we had three of the same classes. We lived in the same apartment complex, but we first met at a communications class, and uh, everyone was introducing themselves. And she says, when I introduced myself, she had a thought that said, I should get to know that guy. Nice. And I don't remember her introducing herself. Maybe a week or so later, I remember commenting about, you know, red's not her natural color or something like that. (laughs) But I looked at her and I thought, she looks like someone's wife. I thought she was a married student for some reason. She just seemed very mature. Could that have been, she looks like my wife? It could have been, but I, that, that never occurred to me. <laughs> At the time, you probably didn't think that. So yeah. she was studying to be a reporter as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did it ever get competitive while you were dating? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, to be honest, it was, uh, it was, it was tough. Going out, you know, getting out of college because we graduated at the same time and we were both looking for jobs at the same time. That's got to be hard because you have to kind of move to a market that's hiring. Yeah. Now you got to find two jobs in that market. Yeah. And uh, I mean, honestly, it was a bit of a competition to see who found the job first, <laughs> which in a marriage can make it a, it's a little bit of a strain there. Yeah, competition in a marriage isn't always great. No. <laughs> so where did you guys end up? So, yeah, I got this job in Rapid City, South Dakota, mm. and uh, I was a reporter and weekend anchor. Wow. Um, and and luckily, we got I got there, started working, and a reporter left, and the, the news director was nice enough to interview my wife and ultimately hired her. So you guys both worked for the station together? We did. Yeah. She was a reporter, and in fact, she was the fill-in for my weekend co-anchor. So sometimes we'd anchor together. So you, you do you have footage of that that you can show your kids of you guys anchoring the news together? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's not it's not great. Oh, that's awesome! I mean, that's I'm early sure in the career, fantastic. straight out of college. So yeah, in South Dakota, that's got to be a culture shock. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot smaller than Southern California. Sure, uh, it was a lot colder. <laughs> a lot. And the culture there, I mean, not to reduce it to, to this, but I mean, it's basically, it's a lot of cowboys and Indians. Yeah. And there's there's some racial tensions there with that as well. Mm. So it was an interesting culture. Yeah. And for whatever reason, when I was there, I'm half Asian. I know this is radio, so I, I have to explain that. Yeah, we'll, we'll put but, up pictures uh, of you on, on okay. Facebook. So you're, <laughs> half, you're half Asian, half... Ha- uh, Irish, German, Norwegian... You got the whole mix. M- many, yeah. Nice. So over there, they, everyone pigeonholed me as Native American. Oh, really? Yeah. They, so they just assumed you were Native American? Yeah. Did that help at all when you were doing stories on Native Americans? Um, 
when we had stories at the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, yeah. they would always send me. <laughs> Did they ever come out and say, Mike, you look like you could be Native American. Go do this story. Um, or did you just kind of know, oh, there's a story at the reservation, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just started sending me, and yeah. eventually became kind of a joke. It's like, yeah, I know why you're sending me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I because mean, people were friend, more friendly towards me, because they figured. Yeah. And they would, sometimes they'd say, hey, you know, good to have a Lakota here. And I'd have to say, no, I'm not. I'm actually half Asian. They'd be like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. You're still welcome. Yeah, good. Yeah. So how long were you in South Dakota? It was there two and a half years. Yeah. And then you went to Florida from there. Yeah. What took you out to Florida? Uh, just the nature of the business. You start you know, somewhere small and you look for a bigger market um, yeah. so you can move up. And so I got this job in Orlando. Yeah. At the awesome Fox place. Station. Uh, it's great. Yeah, it was great there. Not a great place to be in July or August. No. Well, it's, it's kind of the opposite of Utah. Right. Yeah. If if you're not well, if you're not if you're like me, not used to the cold. Yeah. You get through the winter, and summers are great. Spring's great. Florida, you kind of get through the summer. Yeah. Was it ever hard to be? I mean, some of those days it's 102 degrees and it's 95 percent humidity. And yeah. is it hard to be on camera? I mean, do you have to mop yourself down and oh. then say go? Oh yeah, I'd always carry a couple of handkerchiefs. Yeah. And just wipe my face off. Yeah. What was your specialty when you were in Florida? What did you cover? So I covered uh, Brevard County, which is the uh, the east coast out there, east coast yeah. of, uh, of of Florida. But uh, along there is, is also Cape Canaveral uh, mm. and uh, Kennedy Space Center. So that was my my beat as well to cover all the rocket launches, all the shuttle launches uh, at the time. Did you get to interview NASA people? Yeah, yeah, I got to talk to astronauts and, and oh. engineers, and it, I mean, it was fascinating. Uh, so, I was your ten year old self just? completely pinching yourself like i I, i'm talking to astronauts i'm watching you know space takeoffs and i'm getting paid oh it was great i mean i I loved it um it was fascinating and at the same time it was overwhelming because i was like uh, i didn't feel like i had the intelligence to keep up with these guys either (laughs) (laughs) I, i didn't even think about that but i'm sure it was intimidating yeah i mean these are literally nasa scientists nasa astronauts Mm mm-hmm Physicists? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. What was the most exciting thing you got to see while you were covering uh, NASA? Uh, Well, the coolest thing was uh, anytime you'd have a a nighttime shuttle launch. Hmm. Because for a moment, it lights up the sky like it's lights up everything like it's daylight. Wow. And you've just seen that in the sky. It's just an, an amazing sight. And you probably had a reserve carved out place for media. You got to stand that was a pretty good view, no? Yeah, the media side is is pretty huge, and you get yeah you get pretty good seats. That's awesome. So what what took you to leave uh, Florida? Well, my wife is from Utah, and so she always wanted to come back home. Yeah, and so here I am. I mean, uh, yeah. Eventually, I started applying for jobs. Got one at Channel Two. And, yeah, and came back. Channel Two is the CBS affiliate affiliate out here. Yeah. How long were you there? Six and a half years. Wow, it's a long time. Yeah. And then you moved to KSL when? In uh, 2011. Yeah. And for, for our listeners outside, I think everyone in Utah, I think, knows this. But uh, outside of Utah, KSL is not only the the NBC affiliate, but it's also owned by the church. It's yeah. the church's media station. So uh, oftentimes when there are broadcasts or conference or 
whatever, depending on the session. We, you know, we watch it on KSL. Sure. It's kind of neat, kind of a neat hybrid. That that took me by surprise when we moved out here. I was totally unaware of it. I didn't know what KSL really was. But And then there's they have a radio station, which is KSL yeah. also. News radio and a, and a newspaper under the same roof. Yeah. It's Just pretty neat. News. Um, and it's it's a good situation. Um, it's kind of a, a an unusual situa- situation in broadcasting because the church isn't they're not out they're not out to make a huge profit. Yeah. And so they do put a lot of money back into the product and they treat the people pretty well, which is kind of hard to find in this business. So uh, it's it's become fairly well known as a as a good place to work and is it different than because it's owned by the church, uh which by the way, it's I I want, I want to make sure our out of state listeners understand when you watch KSL it's a normal station. Like when you watch yeah. the news, you, you, you're not watching a Mormon newscast. They're not telling you what's happening in the third ward today. I mean, it's a normal, <laughs> you would never know other than, again, when there are sometimes some of these church broadcasts. Right. That's pretty rare. But but is the culture there different? Can you tell that there's a reflection of the fact that it's church-owned? Um, From time to time, I mean, generally, they want it to operate like a news operation. Yeah. They want, um, you know, fair reporting, um, fair and unbiased reporting. Yeah. Um, but, uh, occasionally there'll be, I think it was a few years ago. We had a, uh, for the company Christmas party, they had a Christmas devotional. Oh, wow. Which, uh, was very spiritual. Yeah. You don't see that in too um, many companies, but you had, you know, the non-members, you could see them sitting there like, what's going on? <laughs> we have a member of the a, general bishopric here and it's a different kind of a Christmas party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how often, like how many stories a week do you do? Uh, it's generally one a day. I'm a day turn reporter, so I'm out covering what's happening now, what's happening today. And I turn around the same day. So that's gotta be crazy to get it, to get a product out for what's your deadline. Uh, I report for the five and six o'clock news. Yeah. So you have to have it fully edited and turned in by what time? Oh boy. Well, let's see. So if I'm on at five, usually my story's in by, um, four 45. Wow. You're, you're usually cutting it close. I can't imagine piecing together a news program that last minute. I mean, it, did you ever miss deadlines? Uh, extremely rarely. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, you don't want to, you don't want to miss deadline. And are you usually on taped or are you usually on live? Uh, for the most part I'm live. Yeah. Sometimes on tapes. I, I actually, uh, kind of unique for me, uh, well, you, what's unique with me is I shoot my own stories as well. So I have a camera, I ha- I've got all the equipment, I've got live gear. And so most of the time I'm out, I'm out there by myself. You don't even take a sound guy out? No. It's just you. Just me. That, that to me is so intimidating. Like I can't imagine trying to get the camera set up, make sure everything's framed, get the audio right. Yeah. And so you're by yourself when you're live. Most of the time. That is amazing, Mike. Like that, that to me is crazy. It gets frantic sometimes. Yeah. What, but I, I, I love it though. I love shooting. I love editing. So it, what do you love about the job? Uh, the greatest thing is getting to meet interesting people every day. Yeah. Uh, every day is different. And, uh, I feel like it's almost like um, going out. It reminds me of going out on a school field trip where you go out and learn about, you know, what someone else does or what's happening at the museum. And yeah. Um, and so every day I get a little peek into someone else's life. What is the, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times. 
What what are some of the weirdest stories you've been on? The weirdest. So the one, probably, I, I have to say the weirdest, and I still, every once in a while, get a little bit of flack for this one. Um, good flack. Is uh, in Smithfield, up in Cache Valley, there was a goat that escaped and chased <laughs> a paper boy up a tree. And he stayed there in the tree for about an hour. A goat chased a paper boy up a tree. And the, the paper boy had to stay in the tree for an he hour. He stayed in the tree for an hour, just like, what is this goat going to do? Because the, the goat had kind of tried to jump on him before. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. And, and his parents didn't know where he was because he didn't return home from his paper route, so they reported him missing. <laughs> and the goat was just pacing down there just, waiting. Just, wa- just looking at him up the tree, just kind of a stare down. So when you were called out to it, was the boy still in the tree? Oh, no. So oh. I, we didn't hear about this until you know the next day. So. <laughs> That's a bizarre, bizarre story. But the kid was great. He he was like, yeah, my friends are calling me Goat Boy. He was <laughs> he had a good sense of humor about it. Now you've had to, I I don't want to say become part of the story, but sometimes you know if you're out at a restaurant, they have you taste things, or if you're out at, I know I watched uh, just doing a little homework. I watched where uh, a guy who has a sod farm built a mega water slide. Yeah, and you went down the water slide. Well, I had to, right? Yeah, well, they, they, they told you you had to, right? <laughs> but you were in full clothing. Like, you weren't in right. a swimsuit or anything. You're reporting no. live, and all of a sudden, you're you're going down the water slide. Well, it's good television, right? It I was mean, great television. Yeah. So. What are some yeah, of the other not? oddball things you've had to do for your job? Uh, so, the, the uh, Utah State Fair. Mm-hmm. One year, I ate a grilled cheese and maggot sandwich. Grilled cheese and maggot. Yeah, they were they were freeze dried maggots, mind you. Oh gosh, did you just say at one point? No, sorry, my job's not worth this. I have this weird, like I would ne- things that I would never do in real life. I'll be like, yeah, I'll do that for a story, sure. <laughs> so I was eating that. How was and, the sandwich? And python. Uh, the, it was not good. No, it's 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 you know it's one of those places where you go and you get the food to, to show that. Hey, look what I ate, you know? Yeah. Look what I did. I ate python. I ate... You ate python? Yeah. That's so bizarre. What else? Anything else that uh, you had to do to like make the story more exciting or to be a part of it? <laughs> um, That's a good question. Uh, well, there was... Uh, not This one wasn't really... A, uh, this one was more exciting for me than anything, but I got to fly in an F-16. Wow. How was that? Uh, it was amazing. I mean, I, it was. We got up there, and you see the clouds on each side. I'm looking at the co- cockpit. And I'm like, Who this flew is you? pretty cool. I was one of the Thunderbirds. So, were you actually doing maneuvers up there too? He did. He did some maneuvers. Oh my gosh! So when they come up for the air shows, often they'll uh, choose one person from the media to go up and see what they do. Mike, you have like the coolest job in the world. Sometimes. You're watching space launches. <laughs> You're going up in uh, F-16s. You're talking to boys about goats. <laughs> I mean, every day. So when do you get your assignments? Is it in the morning? They say, here's what you're reporting on. Or do you have to find your own assignments? Yeah. Everybody's got to pitch ideas. So every morning we'll have a news meeting. Everyone will pitch a bunch of ideas. Then we'll get together and decide what everyone likes. And I'll get an assignment and go. Now, one thing that's really popular on YouTube right now is news bloopers. Uh-huh. For some reason, I don't get it. But when there when there are compilations of news bloopers, they get millions of views. Yeah. Do you have any embarrassing stories from the field? 
yeah. So my most embarrassing moment. Luckily, you know, I don't know where the why I didn't save the video, and I don't know where it is. <laughs> I haven't seen it since. But I was at the uh, Biketoberfest in Daytona Beach, mm. reporting on that, and it was a fairly serious story. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was I was live on TV at this big biker rally. And while I'm on live TV, this woman comes up behind me and she's got like a miniature whip and she just whips me in the butt. Oh my gosh. While you're on air. While while I'm on TV and (laughs) and on TV, you hear this because she hit me so hard. So was that shocking to you? Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of jumped and (laughs) I stopped for a second and then I kept going and then she did it again. Oh my gosh. So how do you deal with something like that? I just tried to ignore it, but it was hard to ignore because it really hurt. She's whipping you while you're trying to be on TV. Yeah. Yeah, that's see that I couldn't handle that kind of stuff. That's the reason I can't be a reporter. I could not deal with it. I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> do you ever have to deal with people in the background trying to be funny or trying to run in and be a part of the be a part of the story? I always see that. I always yeah. see guys who like try to jump in and get their face in, and that that happens. Yeah, you have to either ahead of time to say, "Look, please, please don't do this." Are people usually pretty respectful? Uh, most of the time, yeah. Yeah. Have you met uh, Have you met any celebrities while you've been a reporter? Oh, sure. Yeah. So uh, four years ago or so, I got to, KSL sent me out to NBC to visit the sets of some NBC shows. Oh, how exciting was that? It was great. And one of them was Parks and Rec. Oh, very cool. Yeah. What a funny show. Yeah. So who did you get to meet from Parks and Rec? So I, I got to interview Chris Pratt. Uh, See, and you didn't one. know then. That was... Before he had become Chris Pratt, world's biggest Star Lord, yeah, yeah. Well, Star Lord and Jurassic Park and yeah. everything else. I mean, he's oh, yeah. like as big a star as they get now. Well, at the time, he had gotten the role for oh, Guardians okay. of the Galaxy, so we knew that was coming. Um, but yeah, he was great, and uh, most of the cast uh, we, we got to interview. It was it was great. Um, and parent, the set of Parenthood, which I wasn't as familiar with. No, I, I yeah, I, I know the show, but I've I've just never watched it. Yeah. That's kind of got to be kind of cool, walking around, seeing the sets and everything else. It was pretty amazing, yeah. Yeah, that's fun. You don't have to name names, but have there been any celebrities, or you can name names, <laughs> have there been any celebrities that were totally different than you expected them? I guess good or bad? Yeah, I don't, you know, there was one interview, and uh, it was Lou Ferrigno. It was before the yeah. release of the Hulk movie, and he had a small cameo in it. Oh, okay. I think I vaguely, I, I'm not, I can't remember. So anyways, I got to interview him and I don't know what I was expecting, but I, I, I was expecting to be more fun anyway. And so I, I was like, well, what do you think of this digital Hulk? And you know, and the real, isn't the real Hulk better? And I was trying to get him to, and he's just like, yeah, the real Hulk's better. <laughs> I mean, it's, this movie's all right, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. Kind of took you to a like, okay. End. Well, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> what types of stories do you love most? I love the feature stories. Uh, tell us what a the, feature story is. So those are the stories where they're, they're general. I mean, they're the happy stories. Yeah. Um, they're the, the, the good news. Um, you know, the story about the kid getting chased up a tree by a goat. Yeah. It's fun. Or, you know, um, you've had to cover some really hard stories too. Yeah. I mean, murders, fires, people losing loved ones. Yeah. How does that take its emotional toll? It, it's, it's hard. I mean, those are my least favorite stories to be yeah. totally honest. Um, and, are, are there uh, any that have really stuck with you that you can remember that like 
you've had a hard time getting over or that you'll just never forget? Yeah. I mean, there were a couple in Florida. Florida's known for having just crazy things happen. Yeah. Um, it seems like Florida's the epicenter of like good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> just crazy. And there were a couple out there that really stuck with me. There was a, uh, a divorced father who took his sons and, um, you know, drug them and tried to kill them and himself. Oh. He was successful in, in that. Um, there was, gosh, another divorced father that on Christmas Day lit his car on fire with his daughter in it and drove into his ex-wife's living room. Um, and, and you've so got to those, cover that. You cover it and then you go home and it, and it sticks with you. And Because uh, you can't fully separate yourself. I mean, this is all real. I know you're yeah. doing a job, but it must change the way. Well, tell us about your family you've got you've got four kids we got four kids yeah so when you get home after i mean because even here in utah there are some rough things that happen yeah and then does it does it change when you i mean when you see a story with children sick children or whatever mm-hmm. does it change when the way you are when you get home with your own it does and the thing is like my wife doesn't always watch my stories it's kind of become old hat to her so yeah sometimes we'll get home and she'll be like what's what's your deal you know you don't seem very happy. You're a little mm. bit agitated. And and most of the time, honestly, I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> then I have to, I'll have to think about it again. Because you're right there on the scene. Her. I mean, if there's yeah. been a fire, if there's been whatever, you're standing right where it happened. It's got to take an emotional toll. I don't know how it wouldn't, you know? It does. And in fact, when the Las Vegas shooting happened... um. We had some of our crews go out there. Luckily, I didn't have to. But whether you you were sent out there or not, it it um, affected most of the newsroom because people were looking at the video coming in, you know, constantly writing about it all day, and and so mm. the, the station actually brought in a couple of psychologists to just talk to us all. Gosh, I, I can imagine. I mean, that's got to be just so heavy. On a more positive note, have you ever gotten to do stories regarding the church? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're not a church beat time reporter. Time. No, but... I'm not. We do have a couple of those. Um, but when, uh, when the prophet president Monson passed away, we all got involved. Um, I got a call at, at five o'clock in the morning. I had known the night before that he passed away. And so I knew I was probably going to get some kind of a call, but I went to bed and got a call at five in the morning saying, why don't you go to the airport and find some missionaries going out mm. on the mission, see what they think. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did that and spent, uh, a few hours out there just looking for missionaries to talk to. Did you find some? I did. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, the idea was that, you know, he instilled, uh, instituted the, the, the age change. Right. And so it affected them. And, uh, yeah, so it, 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 there was one in particular that I remember that uh, he said he was less active at the time and was not going to church and decided to go on a mission. And so being able to go at that time really just changed his life. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Now here you're in a, a you know, a mixed environment between Mormons and non-Mormons at KSL. Yeah. And it's important to point out that, that, uh, the, the church in a lot of its auxiliary things like KSL or like Deseret News, whatever, yeah. does not just hire Mormons. There are of a lot course. of non-Mormons who work there as well. But uh, here it's it's understood. When you were in Florida, did people know you were Mormon and where you worked? Oh, yeah. That, that gets out fairly quickly yeah. when, when you get to know people. What were people's reactions, if anything? 
Um, you know, I don't remember any anything especially alarming. I mean, they were generally pretty. You know, like they they learn to accept that you don't go to the bar after work, and you know you don't come to work with a coffee. And um, that's kind of the reputation of the news. Yeah. You picture reporters, and maybe it's a '70s thing that I have being an old man. But uh, I picture the the hard grizzled reporters showing up with the big mug of coffee in the morning, right. and then sitting at the bar with a cigarette <laughs> and having a drink at the end of the night. You know, talking about how rough things are. I mean, that's that's what I what I envision, and sure. you're the polar opposite of that. Yeah, I mean, in Jacksonville, Orlando, uh, Florida, a bunch of the guys from the newsroom would just go to the bar after to unwind. I mean, that's what they do to kind of yeah. get rid of the stress. Um, there was actually a coworker at that same station that one day he came up to me and he's like, I'm going to go to your church one day. I want to learn more about it. And and so that was, no was kidding. like, wow. Okay. Just out of the blue. Yeah. Did he ever go? No. no. I wish there was a better end to that story. <laughs> I was like, all right. We but how at, cool that he walked up to you and at said At nine it. o'clock at this place. And he's like, that's kind of early. Yeah. I was like, well, maybe we could find you, you know, because you live in a different areas than I do. Maybe we can find a different time. And it never worked out, but uh, he was curious at least. Yeah. That's neat. Uh, that's the one thing that I've always said is you can't, if you live the faith at some point, it becomes noticed. And I think more so and more so as the times progress, people would call it, yeah. uh, that you stick out. I know in my industry, everybody knows I'm Mormon, you know, I'm everybody. Yeah. Uh, do you think your kids are going to have any interest in broadcasting? Boy, I don't know. And I, and honestly, sometimes I kind of hope not because it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a tough thing to do. Well, broadcasting is um, changing a lot, Yeah, right? I mean, what are the changes you're seeing in, in your industry? Well, um, I mean, with KSL, I mean, it's well known that KSL.com is huge. Yeah. I mean, they're continuing to grow. TV's continuing to, to see audiences kind of diminish a bit. It seems like it's kind of stabilized, but it's... it's. But uh, you can pick and choose your news a little bit on KSL.com. Yeah. And so, you know, KSL's trying to keep up with that. We've launched a um, KSL TV app where you can watch streaming news. Mm. And so, you know, you have to adjust to the technology, and, and it's kind of a learn-as-you-go type thing. Yeah. Because we don't really know what's going to happen. And is your is your wife still working now? No, she got out of the news business after uh, South Dakota. Yeah. And she has a photography business. Oh, awesome. So she does what kind that. of photography does she do? Uh, like family, a little bit of weddings. Yeah. Um, a lot of high school senior type stuff. So let's put in a plug for your wife's business. What's her website? It's uh, Kelly. It's uh, so, okay. It's K-E-L-I. K-E-L-I. Anderson with an O. So Kelly Anderson Photography. Kelly Anderson Photography dot com. Dot com. One L and with, an I. With an O. K-E-L-I. Anderson with an O. Photography dot com. Yep. People should go check that out. See, that's a that's a plug right there. Well, thank you. Yeah. No, it's pretty good. What's in the future for you, Mike? You see yourself continuing on being a reporter for the foreseeable future? Uh, at at the moment, that's that's my plan. Yeah. Uh, KSL is a good place to work, and I still enjoy what I do. As as I mentioned, there's some tough days uh, with the tragedies, but for the most part, it's it's an interesting job. I enjoy seeing different things every day. How has your job, because you get to see the best in people. You get to see, you you have stories of the guy who turns 105 and the, you know, <laughs> the, or vets, of, you know, inspirational stories. You see the best of the best and the worst of the worst. I think most of us, or I know in my life anyway, I see the middle. 
Yeah. You know, most people I see are struggling, happy, working, whatever. You get to see the extremes. I mean, if if not, it's not news. Like me sitting in my basement right now, I'm not news. Right. Right. So the only <laughs> thing newsworthy is, hey, here's the greatest thing in the world today. Mm-hmm. Or here's the most tragic, worst thing on earth. How does that affect your testimony or does it? It, it does at times. And it's it's crazy. So, you know, this is the great thing about this pos- podcast is I can get a bit spiritual now, right? Yeah, So for sure. So let me tell you a fairly well-known story here in Utah and a very sad story. There was a, an airplane that crashed into I-15 right. and it killed two couples. And, uh, and gosh, it was one of those days where I was like, you know, why do I, why do I still do this? Yeah. You know, this is hard to report on. The next day I got to meet um, a friend of, uh, of one of the couples. Well, actually, a, f- a, f- a couple of friends of each of the couples. And they told me how great they were. They were great, you know, um, great with the youth and the church, influenced a lot of people's lives. And just hearing, and afterwards, honestly, just I, I said, I don't t- say this to people at all at work, but I feel like my testimony was strengthened by hearing this story uh, about, about wow. what these people did. And, uh, and I went away there, and I kind of felt the Spirit say, this is, I want you to keep having these experiences. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm, I guess I'm staying put. Wow. That's gotta be so moving. Do you find that when you have these heavy experiences that you need, I I know that for me, when, when I see, when I go through something difficult, the only way I can offload is through prayer. Like there are days where I just, I can't get to my knees soon enough. Um, What's your, what are your spiritual coping mechanisms? And I think when the world sees scary news, like Las Vegas and like that plane crash or whatever's happening, what recommendation do you have for people to cope with, uh, with these kinds of things? Well, that's a pretty, that's a pretty heavy question. It is. Um, you know, what I, you know, my whole background is I like stories. I like writing stories and telling, and so I try to figure out, you know, what, how does this kind of help me understand the story of the gospel? Um, mm. And it's hard with tragedies. I don't know. I, I guess I'm not totally sure how to answer that. No, that's all right. <laughs> but um, I, I... You just deal with it so much. I think, yeah. you know, for the rest of us, I don't know how to compartmentalize things I all try the to, time. I try to find the good and see what I've learned from it. Um, the big thing is... You know, when I when I have the opportunity to talk to people who've, and I, I don't know if I even want to call it an opportunity because sometimes you don't want to do it, but you talk to people who've lost someone who've been through something, and you see their strength in how, and how they're dealing with it, and uh, and here in Utah, often you you meet people that have that strength because of the gospel, right? And uh, I try to internalize that and figure out what I'm learning from them through the experience. That's awesome. That's perfect, Mike. See, that's a big, that is the right answer. Okay. So that's perfect. (laughs) You know, try to figure out what you can learn from other people dealing with it. I think sometimes too, talking about things just helps when there are major news stories. Yeah. You know, just talking about it. And sometimes it's hard. We don't want to talk about things. And uh, I mean, I've known there have been times, I've had times where there have been major incidents in our country that I think, well, I got to shield this from my kids. And then the next morning I'll hear them at breakfast talking about it. Right. We can't really in this age, (laughs) you know, you, you really can't shield yourself fully from the world. And that's when I find sharing the gospel with them 
or giving a gospel perspective at least maybe helps helps out a lot. Well, Mike, this has been fantastic. Fascinating. I'm so fascinated with your job. I think you have the most interesting job in the world. And and so if people Thanks. want to see you, they just tune into KSL. You can find me on KSL. You can find my stories on KSL.com. Um, I'm all over social media. That's a requirement of our job. Yeah. And so the the moniker for me is is uh, the common way you can find me is uh, Mike Anderson with the O is a zero. Oh, Mike and Anderson so on, with the O is a zero. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter is at Mike Anderson, Facebook.com slash Mike Anderson. But with the O is with, a zero. With the O is a zero. Very cool. And we are friends on Facebook, so I get to see all of your exploits, which yeah. <laughs> makes it really fun. <laughs> Well, we're going to close with the question that we ask all of our guests. No right or wrong answer at all to it. What does being a member of the church mean to you, Mike? Yeah, so I had some time to think about this because I did listen. But um, to me, it's it's about putting other people first, um, about serving others. Um, I mean, ultimately, that's what our Savior did, right? So he he sacrificed so that we could... Uh, overcome our weaknesses and get better and return to live with our heavenly father. And it's great to, to seek after your own salvation and try to better yourself. But I think in life, if you spend enough, if you, if you spend enough time in the gospel, you realize that to do that, you really have to reach out and help other people and, uh, and let other people help you. And that's how we get there. Mm, awesome. Mike, this was great. Uh, again, follow Mike on KSL. It's Mike Anderson with a zero, for an O on Twitter and on Facebook and all over. Mike, you are a great reporter. I enjoy watching you and uh, a good man. And thanks for sharing your Latter-day life with us. Appreciate it. Thank you. My thanks to Mike Anderson. He really is just an incredible guy. Super humble and and such a nice guy. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Fascinating discussion. Uh, This week in my Latter-day life, uh, it's been interesting in Utah as we have had the mildest winter I can ever remember. I've lived in Utah now for more than 20 years and it was just, it's just been strange. We haven't really had snow. It's been very dry and not only dry, but Days where we would normally be in the 20s, we've been in the 50s. And then this last week, pow, we got pounded with snow multiple days. And you know, I can't even complain about it. Normally by February, March, I'm complaining about snow. But we were all just so thrilled that we finally had snow. And uh, we certainly needed it. Now, I am a creature of habit. And uh, two or three days a week, I really like to go for a long walk in the morning. And I like to go no matter what the weather is. I like to clear my head and I'll listen to podcasts that I enjoy or music. And I just like to go out and walk a couple of miles. And I went out the morning after the the first big dumping of snow. And I always walk kind of the same path. I walk along a couple of sidewalks and I walk on a certain side of the street so that I'm facing traffic. And then I walk back on the other side of the street. And I had gone for my walk and it was icy and kind of slippery and I didn't go the whole way. I turned around and came back because there was just so much ice and snow. And as I was walking back toward my house, I saw in the uh, snow in, on the sidewalk where I was walking, I saw another pair of footsteps and they were walking in the opposite direction. So they were walking toward where I had just come from. 
And when I looked down in those uh, footprints, it was really interesting to me. The person, their right foot dragged a little bit, kind of dragged across the snow and their left foot didn't. And I just happened to notice this. And I was also looking at their their pattern of their shoes. And I, I noticed uh, thinking to myself, wow, those have a really aggressive tread pattern. I'll bet those are really firm in snow. But the more I walked, the more I noticed this guy really drags his feet. I mean, they were big footprints, so I assume they were a guy. And I thought, boy, someone should tell this guy his right foot really drag, drags in the back. And I'll bet his shoes get worn down in the back. And I wonder if he notices it. And I wonder if it's conscious or whatever. And I was so impressed with the tread, though, that I decided to stop and compare it to my own. And so I stopped and I took a step and right next to those footprints. And guess what? They were the exact same tread. And that was when I remembered that because the other side of the road hadn't gotten as much sunshine, it was much icier, and I had made the decision to walk up this side of the road where I normally walk down. And all those footprints were my own. I was the guy who was dragging his feet. This was surprising to me. Only my right foot was dragging along. And I looked on the bottom of my shoe, and sure enough, it was more worn on the back. Than on the right side than it was on the left. And I had never, ever noticed that. And it was so fascinating because in my head, I was thinking, how could this person not know that they were dragging the back part of their right foot? And yet it was me all along. It's interesting how easy it is for us to judge somebody else and to notice somebody else's faults and to worry about what someone else is doing. But how beneficial it is to take a step back and take a look in the mirror before we judge others and uh, take a look at our own shortcomings and our own faults. And that was what I learned that day. And I think that there's a good lesson in there, generally, not just about footsteps. And that is what is happening in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We appreciate it. Next week, we're going to have another fantastic show uh, for you. If you want to find us on social media, please go follow us on on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, just search for Latter-day Lives. We're in all those places. If you want to email me, if you have any questions, the other thing I'd ask is if you have suggestions for the show, we're always looking for new guests. Anyone who's an active member of the church who wants to come on and tell us about their life, that would be really great. Very excited about next week's guest. It's going to be another awesome show. Uh, but you can also email me at uh, sean at latterdaylives.com, S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. And until we meet again, my friends, please remember, as always, there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it. Just not of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.